Good morning, church. Isn't it wonderful to be amongst God's people? Maybe it's just me. Isn't it wonderful to be amongst God's people? All right, I know. We, we all love each other, every one of us. God is amazing, and here we are again to be able to worship God together, to lift each other up, build each other up, encourage one another, to, to say to each other, to keep fighting the good fight of faith. It's good to see you this morning. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Almighty God in heaven, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to worship you. Thank you for sending Jesus to make us all one. We know that it was your design from the very beginning that we've always been one in your mind, but in the mind of humanity, we're so divided. It's because of your great love and your mercy. You've allowed us, Lord God, as one to worship you. We pray that you'll accept our worship and that you'll help us to keep our minds from worldly thought and that you'll bless us to focus on Jesus, your great son who so willingly died on that cruel cross of Calvary, going through the pain and agony and suffering on our behalf. We ask, Lord God, for your continual care upon us. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank you to be thy will. Amen. Welcome to our visitors. We thank you for coming to be with us this morning. Micah chapter 4, please. The prophet Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah. And both of them speak to the fallen kingdom of Israel. That would be the northern kingdom. And their prophecy regarding the messianic kingdom, which came later, was spoken by both of them. Both Isaiah and Micah spoke of the house of the Lord, which was to come, was to begin in Jerusalem. And I want to focus just a moment on that, but I really want to get to Micah chapter 5. Micah 4, if you will, please, verses 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it. And many nations will come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Isaiah chapter 2, please. And Isaiah makes... Through this messianic prophecy, he makes the exact same prophecy about the church that Jesus Christ would die for, to establish, to build. Isaiah 2, verse 2. Now it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from 
Jerusalem. And then Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you'll find the disciples are all traveling to Jerusalem because of the promise of our great God. In verse 45, the Bible says, Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are all witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So I want you to see how, how, how important this is and how important this was that Jesus would establish the church, how true it is that the church was established in Jerusalem. And here we are even to this day as God had promised. In verse 50 it says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. What God has promised has come to pass. But they would ask the question, in the days of Micah, in the days of Isaiah, how will these things be? I want to go back to Micah chapter 5. How will these things come to pass? How is this even going to be possible? Well, Micah tells us there's coming a ruler who will bring glorious blessings from the Godhead. Verse 1. Now muster yourselves in troops, daughters of troops. They have led siege against us. With a rod they will smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Let's go to Bethlehem for just a moment. Matthew chapter 2. And let's look at Jesus. Remember, as we're studying from the Old Testament, everything about Jesus. We're showing Jesus in every book of the Bible. For God is always showing us Jesus. Matthew 2, beginning in verse 1. Ephrathah, if you will, in Bethlehem is too small. It's a very small community in Judah. But someone mighty will be born there. In verse 1, the Bible says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And so going all the way back to Micah, Micah says a ruler will be born. A ruler will come to Jerusalem. He will bring forth the blessed promises of the Godhead. And everyone was awaiting the ruler. It's amazing. About 250 B.C. The Septuagint was, was compiled. 
And that was taking all the Hebrew writings, the Old Testament, and translating them into Greek. And so the whole world was awaiting the birth of the Messiah. And Herod himself was waiting. And he was threatened by the birth of the Messiah. So he set in motion a plan to execute the child Jesus, the child king. Matthew 2, beginning at verse 3. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He began to inquire of them, where is the Christ, or where the Christ, rather, was to be born? And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. The prophet? Yeah, the prophet Micah spoke of Jesus, the Messiah, to be born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And Jesus says about himself in John 6, in verse 35, that I am, I am, not only is he the bread of life in in John chapter 6, but he is the good shepherd. Matthew 6, in verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus, the I am, has come. Jesus, the I am, is coming from Micah. And Jesus, the I am, was standing before them in their midst. I'll come back and grab that in just, in just a moment. But back to the birth, back to Bethlehem of Judea, if you will. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Jesus. Back to Micah, please. Jesus. 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 Just can't get around Jesus. Micah was prophesying regarding the Messiah. The ruler is coming. Jesus, the good shepherd, will arrive. In verse 2 of Micah 5, it says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from. Though he's born, his goings forth are from long ago from the days of eternity. That we have to get. That message the world needs to understand. Revelation, please, chapter 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Yet being human, he's eternal. Micah tells us that Jesus was far more than a man. Micah says his days are from long ago, from everlasting. Jesus, God, the eternal, was manifested to us as a man. 
This is what Jesus says about himself. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was and who is and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus says, I am the Almighty. I am the I am. In the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, though they are separate, they are one. They share, if you will, divinity in that they are co-equal and co-substantial and co-eternal. They are one and yet they are three. And it's kind of hard to really understand that, but as was spoken this morning about Jesus and the Lord's Supper, if you don't get Jesus right in your mind, church, if we do not have Jesus right in our mind, instead of thinking of God the Father, then God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but rather instead see God as, as one. That reverence that was called for this morning will never really pierce our hearts. It will never really be a part of our mindset. Because we'll see Jesus the man. But Micah wants us to see not Jesus the man, though he's born in Bethlehem. But he wants us to see Jesus, God. Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, Jesus says, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus, the Creator. John 1, please. Not Jesus the man, but Jesus the man God. Jesus who was fully man, but at the same time, fully God. How can we explain that? I have no clue. How can a man be 100% God and yet dwell in his flesh as 100% man. He emptied himself. Of what? I have no clue. There's some of it that we understand, but the majority of it, we just don't understand. We are finite beings and we don't get it. Micah says you got to understand that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was more than just a man. For his goings forth were from long ago, from the days of eternity. The Creator. In the beginning, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He, who? God. God who? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. So if nothing came into being apart from Him, you know He wasn't created. I know folks try to say that in our world today. Jesus Christ was created, but nothing came into being apart from Him. Therefore, He couldn't have been created. Micah wants us to understand He's not created, but He's God. Jesus testifies of himself that he is the Almighty. He tells us that there's Father, there's Son, and there's Holy Spirit. The Godhead would come. 
Jesus came and lived and died that we might live. John 17, please. The Creator, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. John 17, beginning in verse 4. Jesus says, I glorify thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. And now glorify thou me, together with thyself, Father, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So yes, Jesus emptied something and became like us. But he went right back to where he was and who he was. Do we understand that? Do we believe that? Can we see that? Colossians, please, chapter 1. God wants us to believe in the Messiah. God wants us to surrender to the Messiah. It it amazes me, and and I'll say this because I'm always amazed. I'm not amazed when the world uses Jesus' name in vain. You hear it all the time. What amazes me is to hear Christians do it. That tells me you don't know him yet. There's no way you can know Jesus, God, and use his name in vain, and, and then on the other hand, say you, rever- you, re- you don't have reverence for him. You revere him. There's no way it's possible unless you don't understand who he is. The Almighty, to use the Almighty's name in vain, God, God does not wish us to do that. Jesus, Micah says, someone more than a man is coming. Colossians 1, the Creator, verse 16. For by Him, Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities or things, all things have been created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He's also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. Jesus, the creator. And Jesus, the man. Turn to Psalm 33. As I think about John, when they, they came to, uh, to Jesus and they said, hey, we're, you know, we're looking for Jesus. Who are you looking for? And they said, we're looking for Jesus. And he said, I am he. And the Bible says they fell down on the ground. The word of his power. How did he make the world? Psalm 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Do I stand in awe of Jesus? Do I understand the fear that I'm to have toward Jesus? Do I fear Jesus more than I fear the world? Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Do I stand in awe of Jesus? When I hear the name Jesus, when I think of the name Jesus, am I standing in awe of Jesus? Do I have that kind of respect for Jesus? 
Do I not only love Jesus, do I respect Jesus? Does it bother me when someone uses the name of Jesus in vain? Or do I laugh with the masses? Micah says, someone more than a man is here. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets and many portions and in many ways, and these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Let's grab, a, let's grab an understanding. So, so why does God use the idea of father and son? Is it, was it to, to bring Jesus down and he's no longer co-equal with the Father? Well, Philippians 2 says, no, well, that obviously isn't it. Equality wasn't a thing to be grasped. It wasn't even about that. It's so we would understand. We understand being a father and then our son. And how many fathers would sacrifice their sons for a hateful people? I'd venture to say none of us would. But we understand sacrifice, a mother and a son. We understand what it means to have this type of relationship. So God has revealed himself, manifested himself to us through his son. By giving him the name son. So that we could relate in some way. In verse 3 it says, And he is the radiance, speaking of Jesus, of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down the right hand of the majesty on high. If he's the exact representation, if Jesus is the son, the father is the son. If Jesus, if the father is the father, then Jesus is the father. The Holy Spirit is the father. The Holy Spirit. In other words, they're all the same. It's one God. And we have Jesus high in honor in our minds. Verse 8, please. But of the Son, the Father says, He says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And so the Father recognizes, the Father says, This is God. Jesus is God. Would you use God's name in vain? But of the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with oil, the oil of gladness, above thy companions. There it is, preacher. Right there, you see. He says, Your God. That's why Jesus was on the earth. Let's understand what the Bible wants us to know. It wants us to know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Jesus said, unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sin. Do you see that little teeny Jesus? Or do you see God? Do you see the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's all about Jesus. And brethren, our minds and our lives 
have to represent what we believe. Not about me. It's got to be about Jesus. Isaiah 9, please, we'll close. Is it all about me? Or is it all about Jesus? Have I grown to the point where it's all about Jesus? It's all about Jesus? You see, the funny thing is the Bible is all about Jesus. It's about the Godhead. Father, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. The Godhead, God, God, God is telling us it's all about Jesus. He came down as a man, but he was more than a man. And he showed us how to live unselfish lives. He showed us how to live our lives and make our lives all about God. All about the Father. For us to make our lives all about Jesus. Is God asking us too much? Is He asking too much from us? I mean, God, if I make it all about you, then then what about me? Is that too much to ask? Jesus. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. Speaking of Jesus. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And look at his name. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Is Jesus number one in your life? The lesson is yours this morning. If we can help you in any way, if you're a member of the body of Christ, we pray with you, pray for you. You'll make that known to us. If you're not a child of God, we encourage you to surrender to Jesus. Hearing his word and believing it, repenting of your sins, having godly sorrow, making a good confession that he is Lord Christ, the Son of the living God, and be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song, Liberty.